welcome to Comic Talkers, where comics are always the top of our discussion. I'm Mary. I'm Brandon. And I'm Bryce. And welcome back for another museum episode. So this episode, of course, we are in Spider-Man month. Um, and much like last month with the flashes, there are too many Spider-Men. <laughs> spider people, spider things, too many spiders. Um, and so, of course, we're kind of trying to highlight some of the more interesting, exciting, and some of our more favorite spider people that you may or may not know. Um, by some, I mean 15 of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so each of the three of us have picked... comfortable. <laughs> Please, get a pillow. Um, so each of us has picked five spider people from a list that we created as a group. Um, and we're going to go over their first appearances, who they were created by, their origins, powers and abilities, any equipment they have that's exceptionally vital to them. And we hope that this gives you sort of a nice little overview. Some of these overviews are going to be a little smaller than others, um, just based on the character's history and how complicated their origins are in one of my, my cases. And... Um, we are, of course, going to start with the irreplaceable, sort of, um, Peter Parker. So, Bryce, if you will. Okay, yes. So, Peter Parker, the original Spider-Man, was created in 1962 by Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, with character design input and cover design from Jack Kirby. He first appeared in the title Amazing Fantasy, issue 15, which was the very last issue of the series. So yeah, Spider-Man as a character was very experimental. The title was getting canceled anyway. They figured, why not? Uh, he, of course, was bitten by a radioactive spider when he was on a class field trip at his high, for his high school, Midtown High. And that altered his DNA, allowing him to stick to walls, have increased agility, speed, strength. And because of his higher intelligence, he was able to design web shooters and a suit that allowed him to become Spider-Man. Pretty tried and true origin as far as how he got his powers, why he became a hero was, of course, his Uncle Ben was tragically murdered by a burglar that Spider-Man, that Peter Parker, let get away. So, it's very, it's a very personal origin. Uh, you know, his, his early adventures were very much like a villain of the week type thing. They were building his rogues gallery extensively early on. With characters like the Chameleon, the Vulture, Doc Ock, Sandman, appearing all within the first four issues. We get his, a, a good chunk of his supporting cast is established early on within the first, you know, issue, two issues, three issues with, of course, Aunt May, J. Jonah Jameson, Betty Brant, who is actually his first love interest for anybody who, uh, you know, thinks Spider-Man's relationship drama started with Gwen Stacy. Oh no, Betty Betty Brant warmed him up uh pretty pretty well for that. She she was something else. If you ever go back and read those, 
Peter's a ladies' man, fellas. You know, he I'm, is. Yeah. He is. Even uh, yeah. Again, of course, Flash Thompson, Liz Allen, characters that we have seen multiple times portrayed on the big screen, and then you go a little bit later in the run while Steve Ditko was still drawing the book. You had characters like Gwen Stacy, Harry Osborn, Norman Osborn, Green Goblin, all show up and become part of this ever-expanding line. And it was very different from the Marvel Universe at the time. Uh, you could consider the Fantastic Four to be part of the supporting cast in the Spider-Man book, but at the same time, Spider-Man was very self-contained. He was very much a character that if you only read Spider-Man, you did not have to read any other Marvel book. If you only read Spider-Man, you could become attached to the character, attached to the supporting cast, and the world that Lee and Ditko were trying to build. Um, yeah, it's pretty much all within those first 40 issues. I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. It's been... No, it's been don't fun. even. Don't even. That's a great way to move into... The next character who's going to be Miles. Um, Miles Morales um, from the Ultimate Universe, um, Earth 1610. Um, um, of course, made his first appearance in comic book into the comic book world in a very controversial fashion um, in Ultimate Fallout number four back in August 2011, created by somebody that Mary and I have talked about many times, especially in the Guardians of the Galaxy month. Um, Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah or Sarah Pacelli. Um, he's become one of my favorite Spider-Man of all time. That controversial pass is now changed to a beloved character. In Miles' reality, Norman Osborn, also known as the Green Goblin, of course, seeks to recreate the events that created his foe, Peter Parker, aka who became Spider-Man. Um, in his efforts to do this, one of the specimens, um, known as Specimen 42, um, was stolen from Oscorp by Aaron Davis, a.k.a. the Prowler, which we're going to find out is Miles' uncle. Um, one day, Miles visits his uncle and lets him know that he won a lottery to enroll into a very prestigious school um, called the Brooklyn Visions Academy. At this point in time, during his visit, the Specimen 42 does escape and bites Miles, um, granting him abilities. Realizing this, Miles does try to go use his abilities to become a hero, saving people from a burning building. But after this, and speaking to his friend, Gink Lee, Miles decides that the hero life isn't for him. Um, later on, though, Miles manages to sneak out to watch one of the most climatic and eventful fights between Peter Parker and the Green Goblin and the Sinister Six. Um, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, this is the death of Peter Parker at the end of Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, probably one of the best fights ever and one of the best scenes from that whole series um, because they took a shot with this and they succeeded. Um, he does, in the end, Peter does take down Green Goblin in the Six with the help of Iceman and I want to say it was Human Torch. Um, at this point, that in time, right. yeah, because they, I believe they were there, but this is after Peter was shot by the Punisher and a couple other things happened during this whole thing. Um, too long convoluted, go read Ultimate Spider-Man. Trust me, it's one of the best runs of Spider-Man. If you guys want to learn a little bit more about Miles, um, but in the process, um, Peter does die during this whole event. 
even though he's successful, he does in killing Norman. He dies in the process. Um, Miles, being a spectator during this fight, starts to blame himself. Um, the fact that he could have used his newfound abilities to help Spider-Man fight off his foes. But here's the thing. Miles does attend his funeral, which if anybody wants to learn, that's you kind of see that more in Ultimate Fallout. Um, which is pretty much the universe dealing with Peter's death. Um, during this funeral, um, Gwen Stacy makes a speech in honor of Peter. During her eulogy for Peter, she relays one of the most important lessons Peter was ever taught, which was from his uncle Ben, with great power comes great responsibility. You will hear us talk about that quote many times more than likely in this podcast, so I do apologize in advance. Um, Miles becomes inspired by this, um, taking on the role of Spider-Man, but, but in a really bad costume. Um, people think it's you guys watch the Enter the Spider-Verse movie, that's pretty much his first costume, is literally him dressed up like the normal Spider-Man, like a Halloween costume, and running around. Um, but after during a mission, or after a mission that he worked on with S.H.I.E.L.D., Jessica Drew, aka Spider-Woman, rewards him with a new uniform, which officially starts off his superhero career. Um, powers and abilities, um, of course, he has spider physiology, which grants him superhuman strength, speed, stamina, durability, agility, equilibrium, reflexes. He's got wall crawling, um, but he's unique. He's got electricity generation um, or generation. Um, he has a mega venom blast, which is able to emit a larger scale burst of bioelectricity from his entire body. Um, he has a venom beam, which is um, he can channel his bioelectricity outward as a direct burst of electronic energy. Um, he has a venom punch and infusing his fist with bioelectricity and energy thread generation, which produces threads of bioelectricity from his hands. He also can do constructs with it. Um, he also has camouflage, regeneration. Um, he's also bilingual and also a great hand-to-hand -hand combatant. Um, so yeah, that is the origin of Miles Morales. So I'll turn it over to Mary for Spider-Gwen. Yeah, Real quick, so... as, as, some, as somebody who is minorly bilingual, thank you for acknowledging it as the superpower that it is. Yeah. Seriously, seriously, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, also bilingual. Um, yeah. Nice. <laughs> What's your language? Real quick, so let's take away, sorry. Spanish. Spanish. German. So, my... All right. So so are, we, are, we all, are we all bilingual here? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> all right moving on back to oh, back oh. to spider-man uh, <laughs> so, um i'm looking at spider gwen um currently known as ghost spider from earth 65 now now gwen is interesting because she goes through multiple different uh hero names um so when i'm looking at first appearances i'm actually going to be listing her first appearance as all of the different characters persona she's taken on rather than just her current mantle of ghost spider because otherwise that leaves out like her entire origin story and y'all are going to be really confused and i don't want to do that for you <laughs> that comes later <laughs> yes i will confuse you later not right now uh, um so her first appearance as spider woman again earth 65 not earth 616 so not different than the one that brandon just talked about 
um, is in Edge of Spider-Verse issue two. Her first appearance as Venom is in Spider-Gwen volume two, issue 24. Her first appearance as Spider-Gwen, which is how she's typically referred to now because Ghost Spider is still relatively new, is in Spider-Gwen volume two, issue 34. And then her first appearance as Ghost Spider is in Spider-Gwen, Ghost Spider, issue 10. Um, she was created by Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez. Um, and she was raised by a single father who was a cop. Um, her artistic nature and desire for freedom and freedom of expression kind of clashed with her dad's idea of who and what she should be. Um, after being bitten by a genetically engineered spider, she became Spider-Woman with the help of the retired hero, Janet Van Dyne, um, who we talked about in Ant-Man and the Wasp Month. Um, she originally focused mainly on exploiting her newfound abilities for fame, uh, but then changed her ways after her, her father expressed that he believed that Spider-Woman could really do some good. Um, Earth-65 Peter Parker is one of Gwen's best friends, um, and he sort of idolized Spider-Woman. He was not Spider-Man at any point in this universe. Um, and in an effort to be more like Spider-Woman, Peter conducted an experiment that ended up turning him into sort of a reptilian creature. Um, Gwen fought the creature because he sort of crashed prom. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and refused to pull any punches despite Peter's repeated pleas for de-escalation. Um, and after Peter returned to his human form, he would die as a result of his injuries sustained from his fight with Gwen. Um, Spider-Woman Spider was then branded as a criminal, um, and Gwen doubled her efforts to redeem herself. Meanwhile, her father was assigned the task of bringing in Spider-Woman as a criminal. Matt Murdock, who in Earth-65 is the leader of the Hand Ninja and is the right hand of Kingpin and is a corrupt lawyer. This is not Daredevil. <laughs> um, Matt Murdock sent a hitman after Captain Stacy um, to try to win over Spider-Woman's loyalty. Um, obviously, this is her father. It did not work. Um, after saving Captain Stacy, he held her at gunpoint, and she was forced to reveal her identity to him. Um, basically, she pleaded her innocence, which she's not innocent. She definitely is the one who killed Peter. She knows that. We know that. Literally, the whole world knows that. <laughs> um, but her father let her go, basically telling her, get out of here before I change my mind. Um, and that really sort of kickstarts Gwen's real hero career, um, driven by her grief over her role in ending her best friend's life and her father's disappointment, frustration, and knowing that even as pleading her innocence, she definitely did lie to him. Um, powers and abilities. So currently, Gwen has lost her powers as a result of being depowered by Cindy Moon, who I'm going to be talking about in a little bit. Um, but she does have similar capabilities after her experience having been bonded to the Venom symbiote. Um, however, previously, she did have a lot of the same powers as Peter Parker. Um, pretty similar overall. Um, her equipment includes web shooters, and she has a ticket to the multiverse, which is a pendant that's basically like a modified dimensional travel watch that's keyed to her specific, to her, to her body's unique radiation signature. 
Um, and so that's pretty much a really great, a really easy introduction to Gwen. We sort of see her talk about this too, if you've seen um, Into the Spider-Verse. The spider um, she does talk a little bit about this, not super in-depth, of course, um, but we do sort of see her with her drumming and her band and her guilt over the death of her universe's Peter Parker, even if we're not actually clued into her role in that death. Isn't that band also led by Mary Jane Watson? They're called the Mary Janes. So. Um, and the leaders, MJ Watson. There's also Glory Grant and Betty Brandt. Betty Brandt, wow. Uh, Felisa Hardy used to be backup vocals and Gwen was the drummer. So all of Peter Parker's past relationships in one band. We just need Kitty we need Kitty Pride in there, and then we got the full band, right? You need <laughs> Kitty Pride. <laughs> Mary's already giving me a face, fans. We need we need <laughs> Kitty Pride. We need Jessica Jones. Uh, I think I think the point has been made by no. now that Peter Parker can pull. Yeah. <laughs> that homeboy was too oblivious to realize Jessica Jones was into him. Yeah. Whatever. Listen, he has other priorities. Let's <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go like that they say in Into the Spider Verse. Let's go over the origin story one more time. Let's turn it back over to Bryce as he goes over Ben Riley. So Ben Riley, speaking of Gwen Stacy, Ben Riley was created by Jerry Conway and uh Ross Andrew. First appearing in Amazing Spider-Man number 149 as part of the original clone saga featuring the Jackal, a.k.a. Professor Miles Warren, and is a genetic clone of Peter Parker. Or Peter Parker is the genetic clone of Ben Riley, depending on what story you read at what time. But I think it's pretty established that Ben is the clone. He is known as the Scarlet Spider, and his his origin's pretty simple. One day he didn't exist, and then the next day he was Scarlet Spider. I mean, that's kind of kind of how these cloning these cloning things go. Like uh, they, they never have to age; they're just no, there, fully no. formed. <laughs> But Miles Warren thought he was just cloning Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. And to my knowledge, it was kind of uh, sick why he was doing it. Because he was obsessed with Gwen. And, you know, Peter was just kind of there. Peter was one of his star students. And how are you going to have a Spider-Man story if Peter Parker's not the one getting cloned? So after the original clone saga or during the Clone Saga, Norman Osborn had tricked Ben and Peter into thinking that Ben was the original and Peter was the clone, which caused Peter Parker to leave New York with his then-wife, MJ, leaving Ben to assume the mantle of Spider-Man. Uh, later, Ben was killed, died in Peter's arms, but was brought back to life by Miles Warren using a new method. Afterwards, he wanted to 
you know, be he he was dri- he was driven mad by this. He went insane, tried to overthrow Miles Warren, becoming the new Jackal. Was stopped by Spider Man, and in order to become sane again, moved away and became the mantle or assumed the mantle of Scarlet Spider. Problem with this was there was also another Scarlet Spider at the time who Ben came into conflict with that I will talk about momentarily. But a lot of his Powers and abilities include superhuman strength, stamina, speed, durability. He can regenerate. Uh, superhuman superhuman reflexes, abilities, equilibrium. And I cannot forget, I cannot believe I forgot to mention this during my Peter Parker one. It somehow slipped my mind. But like Peter Parker, Ben Riley has the ever so famous spider sense, which is ex- which is essentially a precognitive sense letting him know that danger is in the general area and is fast approaching. And he he can crawl on walls and uh, manipulate energy as well. And his abilities are essentially the same as Peter Parker, aside from that, because he is a direct genetic clone. So, as the next character we're about to cover likes to say in Into the Spider-Verse, when asked where the wind comes from, wherever I go, the wind will follow, and the wind smells like rain. We're going to go into no- Spider-Man Noir, um, one of my personal favorites. Um, this is when we chose, I was like, I want Noir. That was my first pick when she goes, I, I was like, I want Noir, I don't care. Um, I love the 1930s vibe from him. And so, of course, he made his first appearance when Marvel decided to go, hey, let's make some of the most popular characters in our lineups into Noir 1930s. Um, We go to Spider-Man Noir number one, which was in February 2009, Um, created by David Hine, Fabrice Sablowski, and Carmine Carmine Day. I'm sorry if I ever butchered this name wrong. I do apologize. Um, Gian Domingo. Origins go solo, something like this. Of course, this is on Earth 90214, um, where Peter Parker was raised by his Uncle Ben and Aunt May in the 1930s during the Great Depression. Um, Peter was raised to believe that good triumphed over evil. In this world, Aunt May and Uncle Ben were actually activists um, during this time frame. One day, Peter Parker came across the dead body of his Uncle Ben, mutilated in retaliation by one of New York City's businessman or or um which we do come to find out is norman osborne of course um due to ben working on organizing a strike against sweatshops after his death peter helped and continued to seek justice during a rally started by peter and aunt may um but they were met by a violent response by the enforcers which if you want to think of what the enforcers are think the sinister six just his version. This is Vulture. Pinkerton's Sinister you know, Six. Yes. Which yes. is honestly scarier. What is it? The Ox or Dirty Dan or those guys? Who is it? The Vultures. Dirty Dan. Dirty Dan. Oh, gotta, have, gotta be the Vulture, yeah. Vulture was a man-eater. That, that terrified me. 
like his versions are just so creepy. It works. Craven the Hunter's one. And all these get, yeah, they're very scary and dark in this. So one of my favorite versions of the Sinister Six. Um, but going back to what we were saying, um, they were saved, though, by a reporter that we all know and love. If you love watching Daredevil, if you love watching different things like that, this has been Yurik. This is this universe has been Yurik. Now, he would take Peter in as a protege um, for the Daily Bugle. Together, they explored the dire situation of New York City's diazines, um, especially ones that were being targeted by the Goblin. One day, Peter mistakenly received a tip-off meant for Yurik that would change Peter's life forever. Um, Peter, one night, ventured to a warehouse where the Goblin's men were unloading a shipment of stolen antiques. One of these antiques was a spider idol. Um, this idol broke open that releases a horde of spiders. Now, what happens is, though, one of these spiders found itself to Peter, who was staking out the place, and bit him. Peter passes out and has a dream of a spider god. And he wakes up and notices that he is in, in, he has arachnid powers. Now, where I'm going to end this story is kind of like a cliffhanger for you guys, because I love noir so much that I want people to read them. Peter's first act of, after obtaining these powers was to don a mask and confront Norman Osborn to give up his hold over his, this city or over his city. But when he arrives there, he notices that Ben Yurik is there. It is revealed that Yurik was blackmailing Norman with the information he has on him to fuel his drug habit. Now, at this point in time, Peter does leave him. After this, and after revealing all this, he does leave him. But Yurik does die. And it's sad, but it is one of those things that angers Peter a little bit more. And when he returns home from all this, he creates a costume based on Uncle Ben's World War I airman uniform and becomes a vigilante Spider-Man. Um, some of his powers and abilities, of course, same as Peter... All the other spider people, of course, so far we've talked about. Yes, this one actually has organic webbing, a spider sense, superhuman abilities, strength, speed, agility, healing factor, endurance, wall crawling. Um, his equipment, of course, his suit, like we said, um, is a World War One airman jacket. Um, not only that, he does have pistol revolvers. Sometimes he carries a Tommy gun on him. Um, one of my favorite storylines, I would love to do this for a history through comic session one time, is to go through all the 1930s with Spider-Man Noir. Um, but yeah, that ends Spider-Man Noir's little venture. So as I'm going to flow with the wind and I'm going to turn it over to Miss Mary. And that brings us to Silk. Um, so this is Cindy Moon. She is from Earth 616. Um, and her first appearance is in a, as Cindy Moon in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, Issue 1, but her first introduction as Silk is in Issue 4 of that same run. She was created by Dan Slott and Humberto Ramos. Um, so Origins, uh, we kind of mimic Peter Parker a little bit. She has some parental drama. Um, Cindy is an athlete on her high school's hockey team, but she has eidetic memory and her parents really want her to focus more on her academics rather than hockey and her secret boyfriend that her parents then find out about and they're not pleased. 
um she ends up breaking up with the boyfriend because he's going to boston college and she's going to oxford university in the fall and it's all kind of a moot point um but cindy moon was at the same demonstration on the safe handling of nuclear waste as peter parker um the same very same irradiated spider that bit peter's hand then fell off of his hand and bit cindy's ankle before it died when her powers manifested cindy accidentally uh webbed up her parents <laughs> um and was then taken away by a man called ezekiel sims sims would train her in the use of her powers and control until he found out that Morlan, who was a totemic predator, was following Cindy. He sort of locked Cindy away in a bunker with years worth of supplies and entertainment. He's not cruel. He's just overly concerned um, to try to keep her safe. Um, Cindy the entire time had the key to get out of this facility however knowing the consequences of what would happen due to Moreland's existence and desire to hunt her um she remained in this bunker of her own free will but 13 years later peter parker learned about cindy and sort of set out to go free her um she basically screamed at him when he opened the bunker like what are you doing now we're both gonna get hunted by Moreland." but he informed her that Moreland was dead um realizing she was free she improvised a costume for webs and told spider-man to call her silk um she would then learn that Moreland had already died twice which left the possibility of him being open dead i mean alive a third not open, open. i don't know <laughs> Open to returning again, you know. Open to returning again. Uh, thank you. I'll accept that. <laughs> Where my brain was going. <laughs> thank you. I'll think about it. <laughs> um, and that sort of really kickstarts her experiences in her life of fighting crime and silk. Um, powers and abilities, of course, bit by the same spider as Peter. She's got wall crawling, superhuman strength, speed, stamina, durability, agility equilibrium and reflexes she does however have silk sense rather than spider sense it's essentially the same thing but silk sense is better <laughs> um <laughs> she has organic webbing she has claws that she can make from her organic webbing as a result of being able to spin them with her fingers um and she can track 616 spider-man anywhere in the universe and as i've already mentioned she does have eidetic memory which makes her extremely formidable in terms of problem solving and remembering things that help her solve cases i'm shocked you didn't bring up one thing though she's got more support <laughs> from j jonah jameson than even peter parker does at points that that's true yeah i was just trying to get through from him and especially in the ultimate spider-man runs and others but when silk comes out he actually liked her and hated peter still or hated spider-man so it, it's still funny to see him but listen jameson can play favorites as a treat i think he puts up with enough to deserve to be allowed to play favorites <laughs> and let's and let's be real peter like he gives Spider-Man a lot of grief, but Peter Parker is his favorite. This is true. This is true. His issue is with Spider-Man, not with Peter. But Jameson doesn't know that they're the same person. That's not on Jameson. He does now. Now he does. But, like, then... Thanks, uh, Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> 
I'm just gonna pretend he doesn't. Um, it's better for me personally. <laughs> I was gonna say, I like I've I've read that issue, I believe, and it is it is a beautiful issue where Jameson finds out. I haven't read it yet. I'm not sure how I feel about the concept. So right now it doesn't exist to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and turn to Mr. Bryce for Mr. Kane. So Kane Parker, I mentioned that Ben Riley was the first clone in publication. Kane Parker is actually the first attempt by the Jackal in canon at cloning Peter Parker. The difference is where it was his first attempt, Kane suffered some deformation due to flaws in the cloning process, which led him to continue to degenerate, leaving him further deformed and mentally unstable. So when we first meet Kane, for all intents and purposes, he's a villain, but he's a mentally unstable antagonist, more like. Jackal allowed Kane to live to see how Lonnie would survive, essentially. So unlike Ben, Kane was never supposed to make it. Kane is not supposed to be here in Marvel Universe canon. He later encountered Ben Riley, which was again the successful clone. The two fought, the two obviously did not get along. And you know, eventually, after a long while of Kane stalking Ben, Kane Kane just essentially having a lot of beef with Ben. Uh, there's not a whole lot about him and Peter early on, but yeah, he later would return to New York, assume the mantle of you know Kane. He became Tarantula in the Amazing Spider-Man issue six thirty-seven. I forgot to mention he first appeared as Kane in Web of Spider-Man number one nineteen in nineteen ninety-four. He has Tarantula and Amazing Spider-Man 637 in 2010. And finally, as Scarlet Spider, who, which is the mantle he currently holds in Scarlet Spider Volume 2 in February of 2012. He's been with teams. Again, he's teamed up with the Spider People. His most notable team that he's been a part of is a rendition of the New Warriors featuring characters like Sam Alexander and a bunch of no-names that people really haven't heard from since. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, that is Kane. Forgive my rambling. Uh, these clones are a lot harder to discuss than I initially anticipated. You were the one that went, I want Peter, I want... Yeah, you You asked for Kane. I did, I did. I'm like, you know what, I've got Peter, I'm taking Kane, I might as well just take all the clones. That was a mistake, but I can tell you right now, I would rather have that than Mary's list. Well, see, see, it's funny, because we look at Bryce's, and we go, you went with the clones. Two of my characters are controversial. And... 
and then we got Mary who chose some of the harder ones and probably one of the most confusing ones, which I know is coming in a little bit. You can you can split it up again. It's it's a little in true <laughs> Stanley fashion. It's a it's a you can you can sum it up with alliteration. Clones, controversy, and convolution. <laughs> so we are the album cover right there. <laughs> we, so talking on the topic of Stanley, I am going to a Stanley creation. Um, but not the spider character you think. Okay. We're gonna go to Doc Ock. Now, a lot of people are like, why are you bringing them up in this conversation? There was a time that Doc Ock was Spider-Man. This is known as Superior Spider-Man. It's a little pretentious on Octavius's part, if you ask me, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's just Octavius. Yes. <laughs> and I'll get to that story here in a bit because we do. So, of course, as always, like Bryce said with Peter, uh, when he did it, he makes his first appearance in those first five issues of Spider-Man ever. And that is Spider-Man number three, Amazing Spider-Man number three, April 1963. But where I'm going with this is Amazing Spider-Man 697, which is from November 2012. Um, so for anybody who does not know um, what's going on here, simply put, of course, Doc Ock has been a thorn in Peter's side for years. And... At one point in time, Otto's body starts to shut down. Um, it's from a uh, severe brain impairment that is causing this shutdown. And this is caused after many years of fighting not only Spider-Man, but other heroes. Um, even though he has a suit of armor at this point in time that is trying to help, it's like a life support system for him, it's still not going to keep him alive much longer um of course like his diabolical size he wants to go out with a bang and decides to form a sinister six which considered or what was it had the members of electro sandman rhino mysterio and chameleon to help him hold the world hostage as he manipulated the effects of global warning via satellites um, he can eliminate the whole issue of global warming entirely if the world complies with his commands. This event's known as the ends of the Earth. Um, during this, though, Spider-Man and, and some of his amazing friends, I like to say, um, take down these villains. Um, he is left with Doc, Dr. Octopus, which Spider-Man is successful in defeating. Now, how does this lead into what he becomes Spider-Man? We're about to get to that. Doc Ock at this point in time is in a prison hospital, pretty much fighting for dear life at this point. And at this point in time, he's actually waiting for his demise, but he has a last ditch effort in trying to get over on Peter. He devises a plan to swap brains with Peter Parker, which pretty much he's able to know that he can do this because he obtained a complete scan of Peter's brain. Um, and with you and with using a brain swapping Octobot, um, Otto was successful with the brain swapping between him and Peter. Um, Otto retained all of Peter's memories though, because this is something the Autobot gave to him. I always like saying Autobot, and then I'm thinking Transformers. Um, anyway, not the point. Um, 
So in the process of doing this, all Peter's memories are inside Otto Octavius's brain. So at this point in time, Otto's brain is sitting in Peter's body, while Peter's brain is sitting in a dying Dr. Octopus's body. This is where, of course, before this happens, though, before he starts realizing all these memories, he pretty much hits Dr. Octavius's body with a lethal punch. And while dying, this is where the memories start coming into Otto's brain and Peter's body. And he realizes that that Peter not only suffers as Spider-Man, but he also learns of all the responsibility that come with this power. Before Peter dies, or Peter's brain dies within Dr. Octopus's body, I know it's confusing, but I'm trying to explain it the best way possible. Peter, or Otto pretty much states, I don't want this anymore. But it's too late, because Peter, they cannot switch brains again. And with before Peter's brain passes away in daughter or um, with Doctor Octavius's body, he promises Peter that he would continue on the legacy of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And like we said, Otto would not only realize he could become a better Spider-Man, but to become a better man he once was. Entitling himself at this point in time, the superior Spider-Man. Now, um, I know this was a controversial run when it first came out because people thought, how can you kill somebody again like Peter and replace him with a villain? But this run is so interesting to read. I recommend anybody to go read this. Um, his powers and abilities, of course, as Peter Parker, um, he, of course, has all the abilities like Bryce has talked about when it comes to Peter Parker. Um, he also obtains a genius level intellect, radiation specialist, engineering, and high consideration um, or concentration of that. So pretty much, Spider-Man is an interesting <laughs> character. I know I'm, I said that totally wrong, but the I can just... I'm sorry. I'm just picturing Superior Spider-Man walking down the street, just stopping like old. It's like, do you need anything? Can I get you something to drink? Like you look, you look parched. <laughs> but you know, that's why I said this is a good story for people to kind of see that Doctor Octavius can really redeem himself, but in the process, still be his cocky self. So that's what's so really, or that's what makes the story really great. Even his untimely sacrifice, which I'm not going to cover. I want the fans to go read this. It is such a great story. Um, so yeah, I'm. I that's everything you need to know about um, Superior Spider-Man. So let's turn it over to Mary. Uh, I'm going to preface this with two statements. Uh, the first of which being that I had to put down my knitting to make sure I was following the page and a half of notes that I had to take on just the origin story that I didn't even fully finish. <laughs> Because there's simply too much. Um, the second thing is, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the third is, good luck. Um, I'm now about to go over Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara from Earth to 928. 
his first appearance is a preview in Amazing Spider-Man number 365, and then his first official issue is Spider-Man 2099 issue one. Um, he's created by Peter David and Rick Leonardi. And here's where the nonsense begins. <laughs> it starts off very strong and it very quickly devol devolves into something that is not coherent. I, I am so sorry. <laughs> So Miguel is a genetic engineer who worked for the company Alchemax. Um, despite his moral issues with the business that is textually essentially running a company town. <laughs> um, Miguel was pressured by his boss, who is unbeknownst to him, his biological father, Tyler Stone, to test a process that would imprint genetic codes into human physiology. For most people, the, the last straw would have been passed by this point before you're running unethical genetic experiments on human beings, but not for Miguel, um, because he does it. And the process is a failure and the test subject becomes horribly disfigured and dies shortly afterwards. Um, that was Miguel's last straw. <laughs> and he went to give his notice to Stone, who then drugged him with Rapture, a drug created by Alchemax, which is a highly addictive hallucinogen that bonds to the victim's DNA to try to get rid of this addiction. Miguel decides what better to do than try that experimental procedure that just killed that man on myself. Um, he thinks this can't possibly go wrong because he built this procedure based on his own genetic signature, which may or may not be why it killed that guy. <laughs> Just the thought. Um, <clears throat> the process has been sabotaged by his supervisor in an attempt to kill Miguel. Um doesn't work, Miguel survives and his DNA is sliced with the spiders and he gains several other abilities. His supervisor then starts shooting at him because he thinks Miguel is trying to kill him. Miguel is literally just like standing there. Reasonable reaction. <laughs> and then Miguel still tries to save this man's life in the resulting explosion. But unbeknownst to him, he has newly developed claws that he, when he tries to grab his supervisor from falling off a ledge, he just slices through his arm and the man falls to his death anyway. Mary, can I just say something quick? You just made it sound like how Bryce talked about Jay Garrick in our book club last month. Like, oh, he he died. I thought he was dead. I thought he was sleeping. He's like, ah, oh, he's <laughs> but i thought he was asleep he's old he needed a nap <laughs> you just, hey, hey that that man was uh, like 102 years old okay he deserves his mid-afternoon nap and i will stand by that <laughs> this is where things quickly turn into kookyville um because now a group called the Public Eye, which are essentially like, I I equate them to 
like essentially futuristic cybernetic Pinkertons are being sent after Miguel. Um, this has all been in like the course of like six hours, by the way. Like this is very fast. <laughs> um, and to escape them, he jumps out of a hole in the wall. And what does he land on? What does he land on? Um, he lands on a hang glider belonging to a member of the Church of Thor. Continuity. <laughs> this this Thorite, as they're called, mistakes him for Spider-Man and then crashed the hang glider in excitement. <laughs> I too would quite literally die if I ever saw Spider-Man. Don't go to Times Square then. <laughs> Anyway, or Disney World. Um, Miguel tries to convince him to they maybe they could sew back together the hang glider after the crash, and the Thorite goes, "No, no, 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 no! Take these parts of my hang glider and make a makeshift mask to go home." Wait, he survived. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce, I need you to know I'm only like halfway through. <laughs> Forget Miguel. That dude's the real superhero. There are more Thorites coming. Just you wait. There's more of them. <laughs> By Odin's beard. We better see a Thorite and cross the Spider-Verse or I'm going to literally lose my mind a little bit. There's going to be a Spider-Verse. <laughs> okay, so, so. Miguel does make himself a mask using the parts of this hang glider and just leaves this guy stranded, basically. And he just goes home. <laughs> like, there are cybernetic Pinkertons after him. Three, like, four people have just tried to murder him. He just met a guy from the Church of Thor on a hang glider. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go home and take a nap. So he goes home and he just goes to bed. What is it? Uh, what is it in um, like Spider Man shows up in Family Guy and he's like everybody gets one. <laughs> That's what just happened here. He's like, look, man, you didn't die. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go home. He, he just goes Take home and goes to bed. Maybe he was and then he bed. wakes up in the morning and he's like, oh, that was a that was a weird nightmare. And then he looks at his his hands and he still has the claws. And he's like, oh, guess it wasn't. And this is where we find out if he has a fiance. <laughs> this far, this far into the story, we find out he's engaged to be married, and that his fiance Data has been calling his brother Gabriel to be like, hey, have you heard from Miguel? Is he okay? Keep in mind that all happened in like not a lot of time. Um, Are we still in the first issue? I don't even know at this <laughs> point. I makes sense <laughs> and i think this might be like issue issue two or three i'm not don't quote me on that i took a bunch of haphazard notes on this like a month ago 
and then tried to put them into a coherent story today right this is a lot <laughs> and um his brother comes to visit to check in on him and while the door is open miguel now has advanced sight and he can see this cyborg bounty hunter that's been sent after him by alchemax um called venture that is now after him so he just kind of shoves his brother out of his apartment and then hobbles together a costume <laughs> out of the pieces of the hang glider from the thorite and then and this is again another one of those peter david racism moments where he's like i have this um unstable molecular Dia de los Muertos costume so he just like combines them and creates this costume question mark and it's not good it's not good <laughs> and then he um glides out of the window of his apartment with the intent of fighting the cyborg bounty hunter <laughs> Bryce is um, sitting back in his chair with his hands on his head looking like he's having an existential crisis, which is exactly how I feel. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. Bryce, we're not done. Oh, no. Why not? <laughs> Bryce, I cut this short. <laughs> All I want to do is talk about a pig. So, I'm in tears. Brandon is losing his mind. <laughs> I'm still, I'm not even at the bottom of the first page. I don't know if you guys can see this. I'm actually in tears over here because I don't know what's going on. This is the way I could make it make the most sense. I'm leaving out details. You are? This is horrifying. You should read it. <laughs> I want to now. My 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 username just changed how I feel about this right now. <laughs> I, I love too how it's very much framed where Miguel's like, yeah, I'm gliding out of my apartment window so I can defend myself against the venture. As if he's not directly now putting himself into offensive conflict with the bounty hunter. Whatever. <laughs> and a group of Thorites, these members of the Church of Thor, decide that they are going to interfere in the fight between Miguel and the venture. And I want you guys to guess why they do this. I need because I don't think you're going to, and I need to know. I need to know what you think is, is because happening. Because they feel Spider-Man's back or like from the past. Okay, you think you think they think Spider-Man's back. Bryce, what do you think? Judging how this has gone, I think they are going to choose to worship Miguel as a god you are closest <laughs> they believe he's the harbinger of Thor do you see what I just changed my username to yes exactly <laughs> okay so 
they tried to interfere in this fight against like this elite cyborg bounty hunter and Miguel, who still doesn't really know what he's capable of or what he's doing. They are um, <clears throat> very go. easily overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> and the venture <laughs> threatens to kill them all unless Miguel surrenders. And then to prove he's not bluffing, he just goes ahead and kills one of them. No. <laughs> he's just like, yeah. Like, like Miguel is going to assume he's bluffing based off of like the absolute fear Miguel has of this man. <laughs> but he's like, anyway. <laughs> and then this angers Miguel so much that he just lunges and attacks the venture. And is then defeated and taken captive. Um, at some point, Miguel manages to damage Venture's equipment, blinds him with his webs, which is how he finds out he can create webs, by the way. <laughs> um, and then he use, picks up a hover car <laughs> with a magnetic bottom. So it's basically the hover cars work in the... In, earth 928 um in the year 2099 <laughs> by having magnetic electromagnetic bottoms that repel the metal road surfaces of what's called nueva york not sure why it's in spanish but whatever and <laughs> that's how they work so he picks up a hover car and he turns its bottom towards the venture and all it does is send his gun away, despite the fact that this man is, like, partially metal. <laughs> and then Miguel opens a hole in the Venture's cybernetic leg and short-circuits all of his systems. Like, literally all of them. I'm not sure if you can short-circuit some of the body systems, but he does it. <laughs> 2099. We don't know how it works yet, but returning pages now. Yeah. Um, and then a few days later, Miguel goes home. He just goes home again. And then he just returns to work <laughs> at this company that drugged him and then sent a bounty hunter after him. But he's wearing his awful little spider suit under his work clothes and that's where i'm ending it because i just don't have the strength to continue but this whole time fans we were sitting there rice and i were changing names just to check <laughs> i like rice's uh note to self call therapy <laughs> um so i can now finally get to powers and abilities Thank God. I'm I'm so glad to be here too. Um, my next two are gonna be so much nicer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, he of course has superhuman strength, um, superhuman speed, including something that this makes absolutely no sense. This this actually got me worse than the origin story <laughs> to the point where I texted one of my friends with a degree in physics to be like, what is this? 
Um, and this is called Accelerated Decoy, which is where he moves so fast, he leaves behind a physical body double for villains to attack. Anyway, he also has superhuman ability, agility, reflexes, stamina, durability. He's telepathic. For some reason. <laughs> um, he has telescopic and night vision. <clears throat> um, he has regeneration. Advanced longevity from the regeneration. So he ages slow. Organic webbing and genius level intellect. But apparently, no common sense. <laughs> and with this, I hope that I've left Bryce with enough motivation to keep going. Add an intermission. <laughs> Get over it, Bryce. We're in the same place. <laughs> each other right now. I'm so going far into it. If I'm not, man. You even have dot, dot, dot help. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, fans, but Mary did warn you before we jumped into. I even apologized. <laughs> so I think this point. I wished everyone good luck and I wasn't prepared. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Mary told me before, literally, what was it? You were texting your boyfriend about this and literally were like, I'm still doing Miguel notes. And he says, are you okay? <laughs> he, he asked what I was doing and I told him and he goes you good and I told him and I was like well you know I'm not even halfway done the you know like his or origins and he goes I reiterate you good <laughs> so I think this is a good point we better get off this train wreck now and get back on track so Bryce take it over with Mr. oh this is even worse at this point I was going to say, Spider I don't even to call this getting back on track, but, you know, in true Spider-Ham fashion, I'm going to be bringing home the bacon on this one. <laughs> uh, John Mulaney, I mean Peter Porker, first appeared in Marvel Tales starring Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham, number one, in 1983. It was created by Tom DeFalco and Mark Armstrong. Tom DeFalco, who co-created the Spider-Man, the black suit Spider-Man that later became Venom. So if you ever want to thank Tom DeFalco, you can thank him back to back for Venom and Spider-Ham. Yes. Uh, so Peter Porker was originally born a spider named Peter residing in the basement lab of May Porker. Through one of May Porker's experiments, she went mad, became radioactive, and bit Peter. So Peter the spider was bitten by a radioactive pig and turned into a spider-pig hybrid. No, not the one from The Simpsons. And... May, in her mental state after the fact, decided she was going to become his loving aunt. He is from Earth 8311, where every character in the Marvel Universe is an animal. And fun fact, this just, this cracked me up. I'm looking at the wiki right now, and it says, Peter Porker legally changed from Peter. 
<laughs> he legally changed his name. Uh, other characters in this animal universe are Captain America, Hulk Bunny, Doctor Doom, uh, the King Pig, and Raven the Hunter. I'd be down for Raven the Hunter. I'm, I'm honestly here King for Pig. Cap as a cat. I'm here for it. That makes sense to me. Hey, we all want to see Hulk Bunny. Come on now. We, we all we, that we also makes sense. They are full of rage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know why they didn't just move Throg over to this universe. Oh heck yeah! But you know, heck, throw that's, Lockjaw. That's in there. beside the point. Let's get Lockjaw in there too, right? Come on now. We we all want Lockjaw more. No, Lockjaw needs to stay in six one six. He's the only thing holding the Inhumans together at this point. I don't think anything's holding the Inhumans together at this point. Lockjaw's doing his best. <laughs> uh, Peter Porker was actually a apparently a player in Secret Wars 2015. I'm not sure how uh, large of a player, but he was there. Uh, his powers and abilities are seemingly those of Earth 616 Peter Parker. With enhanced intelligence, strength, speed, durability, and fighting. Uh, he has an extra ability called Spider Nonsense. Which allows him to basically do things in a cartoonier manner. So if you remember in Into the Spider-Verse, he pulled a giant mallet out of his back pocket. Gave it to Miles and told him, yeah, it'll, it'll fit in your pocket. Uh, he's essentially if Spider-Man was a Looney Tune. Perfect. <laughs> Bitten by a radioactive pig. Little side note quick. Do you guys ever watch a little special that came with the Into the Spider-Verse movie? And it's all about Spider-Ham? Yes. That that pretty much was a Looney Tune cartoon when I sat there and watched it. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Um, and John Mulaney is always perfect for that role. I don't, I don't, I don't see, like, I don't see peter porker as anybody other than john mulaney now yeah his voice just fits it too well yes it does like they talk like people talk about all these like oh like this is the best casting in it like i'm sorry spider ham needs to be up there as far as perfectly casted roles goes i think that whole cast was perfectly casted like even yeah spider verse had the best cast of yeah. any marvel property yeah. and i will yeah. die on that Spider Man, like kate got his Nicolas Cage got his revitalized career a little bit off that movie and he was noir you know there's really good casting in that movie from beginning to end you can never I want I want to see a like I would be down for a Peter Parker or a Peter B Parker solo project of just all Jake Johnson yes I didn't like that so fantastic so here's the question, you guys. Should I continue on this crazy train with Anya Cortazon, or should I just get off this really quickly and go to Mayday Parker? That is the question. Might as well continue the crazy train. Uh, get it over with in one go. Off the crazy train that much? What, what, what was it? Well, or is it? Or is it just more of a pit stop? <laughs> well, this <laughs> this is a really weird 
way of gaining spider powers, I guess is a good way to put it. So we're going to go to Anya Cordazol. Um, she made her first appearance here back in 2004 in Amazing Fantasy number one. Um, and then she also got it. She's also went by other names, a Spider Girl and Arana. Um, I'm going to kind of give you a backstory. There's more to her backstory, but it gets a little convoluted because it's not the typical Peter Parker or how they gain their powers. Um, Anya was a teenage gymnast um, from Brooklyn. Her father, Gilbert, or um, Gilberto, sorry, my apologies, um, was an investigative reporter. Um, at one point, Anya and her family moved to Mexico, but would return with her father after the death of her mother. During her first day of school um, back in New York, um, she got into a fight with an older boy who was bullying her friend, Lynn. After a teacher broke up the conflict, the two would go to a local bridge and a nearby park to finish what they had started. Why is this important? Because it will lead to make her life change forever. Um, after, what was it? When Anya arrived, though, she noticed something unusual. She noticed that a stranger, a man, of course, was being attacked by the Sisterhood of the Wasp. As they are about to land the killing blow, Anya leaped into the way to save him. What was it? Where they were standing at this point in time was sacred ground. The man she just saved, name was Miguel Leaguer. Miguel was a sorcerer for the Spider Society, um, a secret group dating back hundreds of years. Um, what was it? After Anya took the blow for him, Miguel bestowed Anya some of his powers to save her. But Miguel also recognized that Anya had the ability to become the new hunter of the Spider Society. So after the transferring of his powers to her, these two would actually become partners and fight alongside each other in a war against the Wasp. Um, now, another major point about her, um, Miguel at one point is caught by the Wasp. Um, and they sent Anya to actually go in to rescue him. Um, during this confrontation, Anya was shot in the arm. The wound would become a spider-shaped metallic tattoo, and this might not sound important, but when it comes to her powers and abilities, it will. Um, this is where at, or what was it, at Webcores, which is the headquarters of the Spider Society, um, she learned about her birthright as a chosen initiated for the Spider Society. Now, her backstory can get very convoluted. Very wild. I'm not going to go like Miguel O'Hara where that was just a trip. Um, Bryce's name is still help on there. That's how bad he's still recovering from all this. Um, but mine wasn't as bad. So we're getting, we're finally hitting that caboose of the train of the crazy train here. Um, we're going to go into the powers and abilities, of course. Um, she has the spider physiology, which grants her superhuman strength, speed, durability, stamina, agility, reflexes. She has camouflage, wall crawling. She also has organic webbing. Um, now with that metallic tattoo. Um, she has something called Karaspace, which is a summon of blue spider-like exoskeleton around her body. Um, the spirit of the hunter, which enhances her abilities and puts her into a berserker-like state. Um, she has skeletal flexibility. She's also bilingual. Um, she has training from S.H.I.E.L.D., which grants her fighting abilities and also hacking skills. And some of her weapons, she has a spider-like bullet. Um, so, yeah. 
we hit that caboose of that crazy train. So now we're going to turn it back to Mary to do, what was it? Another. I'm so wild. excited. Um, so this is actually one of my favorite spider people. Um, I was so excited. I think this was, aside from Gwen, who I was like, yeah, I'll take Gwen. Um, this was my first like choice choice. Um, and this is, of course, Hobie Brown, Spider Punk. <laughs> Love him. Um, so he's from Earth 138. Um, his first appearance is in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, issue number 10. This is, of course, the same run that we're meeting Silk. Um, he's created by Dan Slott and Olivier Coipel. And I love his origin story. Um, this is like one of my favorite origin stories for any of the spider people. I just, spider punk is so cool. <laughs> um, so he is bitten by a spider that is irradiated by illegal waste dumping. Um, he proclaimed himself Spider-Man shortly after getting his powers and started fighting for freedom alongside his new friends, Captain Anarchy and Hulk. Um, he was the leader of a group called the Spider Army that fought against President Osborne. Yes, Harry, Norman, Norman Osborne, not Harry. Um, Harry's my favorite of the Osbournes. That's why my brain immediately went there. Um, his regime, which is inherently classist, kind of goes for everything um, that politically punks are sort of against. Um, pretty authoritarian, generally, just not good news we don't like norman osborne he's a villain for a reason um not that i like the cw's arrow but think malcolm merlin circus season one <laughs> um and hobie would utilize his free spirit as a quote-unquote radioactive suicide machine to rally support from the lowest classes um, which was the population that the regime was aiming to stamp out and just completely get rid of. Um, I'm purposely stopping here because I want you guys to read this run. Um, this run is on my list for my top five favorite Spider-Man runs. Um, Spoilers. Also... Hmm? Spoilers. I didn't tell oh, you please. where. <laughs> I didn't tell you where. It's on there. I'm not telling you where on there. Um, and... It's fantastic. You should all read it. Everyone should love Hobie. And his powers and abilities are seemingly the same as Peter Parker's of Earth 616. Shocker. He doesn't... Yeah, wow. I know, right? It's almost <laughs> like they are all fundamentally the same power-wise. It's just who they are that makes them different and compelling. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're having a great time. Miguel killed... Um, Bryce, and now he's being. <laughs> I'm sorry, your new your new screen name got me. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> um, for context, because y'all can't see our screens right now, Bryce's read Spider Man 2099 did nothing wrong, and Brandon's read Spider Punk is greater than Spider Man 2099. <laughs> <laughs> We are having a totally normal one here tonight, folks. So, the best news about this, I think Bryce is about to be happy. We are on our last Spider-Man each. Um, so, Bryce, take the mic away um, with your last Spider character. 
So this one should actually be pretty short for me. Uh, Spiderling, also known as Anna May or Annie Parker, from the Renew Your Vows universe, bum, bum, bum. which was a universe where Peter Parker and Mary Jane's relationship was actually allowed to progress. Uh, this is news to me. And Shade thrown at the current run. Shade <laughs> thrown at I. I, I almost Spider-Man I, comics, but uh, the current run especially. Everyone involved with Spider-Man editorial. I don't even blame the writer that much because this is. I, I blame him. I blame him for getting annoyed at people complaining about it. Yeah, no, I, that's I that's why I said that much. I blame so him. Much. The, I blame him the minimal amount. Yes, he deserves some of it, but not all of it. <laughs> but this has been happening since one more day. Anyway, before I go on this tangent, because I oh my gosh, um, Spiderling's origin was from Spider-Man: Renew Your Vows, Volume One, Issue One. Uh, she is the eight-year-old and later sixteen-year-old daughter of Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson, who inherited powers from her father. She is a player in uh, Secret Wars 2015, was a main character in Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, Volume 2. Has a genius-level intellect, is a master combatant, a master acrobat. Spider-sense, superhuman senses, reflexes, equilibrium, agility, speed, strength, wall crawling. She has something called spider-physiology, which is where she inherited her powers genetically unlike peter where his dna was altered she was all she always had spider dna in her which allowed her to inherit all these abilities seemingly in an increased capacity to peter but she has also gone by amp and spider girl And that is Anime Parker. So we're about to go to another um, inherited spider person, spider girl, I guess is a good way to put it. So we're going to Mayday Parker. Um, this is from an alternate Earth of 982, um, but she is also the daughter of Mr. Peter Parker and Mary J. Watson. Um, she at one point was kidnapped or kidnapped by Allison. Um, Mongrain, uh, who was a carn artist who kidnapped the baby under the instruction of the gang or the Green Goblin. I almost say gang. Um, it's Green Goblin. Um, somebody Bryce has covered. Kane um, is actually the one that found her and saved her. Um, after this, Peter lost his leg battling the Green Goblin after these events took place, which at this point in time, Peter was then offered a bionic leg by Reed Richards. Um, for anybody who does not know, who Reed Richards is. Of course, this is Mr. Fantastic. Um, but Side note, read Fantastic Four comics, please, after all of your Spider-Man reading. Read Fantastic Four. And here's the thing about this Spider-Man or Peter Parker. He This sign or this what happened to him, he took it as a sign that he should retire and focus on being a father and a husband. Uh, Mary Jane and Peter 
would then decide to keep the past or the past buried, um, along with hoping that May didn't develop powers of her own. Well, newsflash, she did at the age of fifteen develop the powers that her father has. Um, now, at this time, what was it when she started developing these powers, everything like that? Um, Normie Osborne, yes, that is a real name in comics, kids. Don't don't for don't doubt it. Normie Osborne, who's Norman's grandson, set out to restore the family name. May steps up to fight back, and while donning Ben Riley's Scarlet Spider suit, stops him. But after this, her parents burn the outfit after May used it to keep her away from a crime fight. Here's the catch, though. Even though her parents were so against her doing this, their pleas pretty much didn't mean nothing to May because at this point, Mayday Parker was going to do whatever she needed to do. And she, they got to the point where they said they cannot keep on getting in the way of her using her powers. So Peter steps up as a trainer and starts to train Mayday into how to or how to use her powers and abilities the right way. Um, of course, there's more into it. Please go read Mayday Parker. She's a very interesting character. And by the way, before I forget, I did not say where she first appeared. She appeared in a What If comic. She appeared in What If 105 in December 1997 as Spider-Girl. And then again as Spider-Woman in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, Issue 15. Um, and she was created by Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, and Mark Bagley. Um, powers and abilities are simple. Of course, she gains pretty much all the same powers and abilities Peter Parker has. But she also has the ability of regeneration as well. Um, and I think Bryce and I, we actually had different characters where it's a matter of, could they be considered mutants at this point in time? That's where the whole convoluted history comes in with those two is that are they really mutants or are they just develop their powers from their parents petition that, for them to be on Krakoa because I think it would be funny yes <laughs> absolutely so Mary let's turn it over to you for your last Spider-Man which should be very very short this should be so much easier um so this is Cosmic Spider-Man, also known as Peter Parker, and this is the Peter Parker of Earth-13. Um, little convoluted, but not a whole lot of content to discuss. Um, his first appearance is in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, Issue 9. Um, spoiler, he dies in Issue 11. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's not a whole lot to discuss here. <laughs> um, he's created, of course, much like Hobie and much like Cindy by Dan Slott and Olivier Coipel. Um, the Earth 13 Spider-Man is unique among Spider-Man for having retained the powers of the Enigma Factor Force. Now, the Enigma Force is this sort of like inherent, like primordial mystic force that is unique to each Earth. Um, and the specific powers granted by the enigma force of earth 13 are never really discussed in any great detail other than peter parker of earth 13 essentially saying i have the powers of a god um vague <laughs> vague um otherwise as far as we know he's peter parker 616 with whatever is happening with the enigma force <laughs> um and 
Now, where he becomes important is during Spider UK's um, search for the source behind the death of the spiders, um, he found Earth-13, um, and he found its Peter Parker along with it. And it sort of, Earth-13 sort of became a safe haven or a refuge for many of the Spider-Men, Spider-People, Spider-Animals, things. Worse. The spiders. Um, that were being hunted by the inheritors. Um, and this sort of became a safe space for them in order to escape being hunted because they couldn't really beat Cosmic Spider-Man. Um, however, Cosmic Spider-Man was constrained in that he would lose his um, Enigma Force powers if he left Earth-13. So he is bound to Earth-13 or he loses these extra powers that make him so useful in the fight against the inheritors. And it's a little convoluted. I do want you to run, read this run, so I'm not going to explain anything more or get into how he dies. But he's he's around for not a long time. Go read him. It's very quick. It's very easy. <laughs> um, and that's it. We we went through 15 spider people, um, some more successfully than others. Um, and now you will never have to hear me talk about 2099 again. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's our highest recommendation. Go read it. I just want I want y'all to read it just so I can see what you say in the comments. <laughs> uh, for my fellow omnibus heads out there that might be listening, there was just a Spider-Man 2099 omnibus that got released from Marvel. What? Are you serious? They made yes, an omnibus like, of that? Month. Why? Yeah. Volume 2 solicited. I want to see the Thorites more. Come on, fans. Let's do a hashtag justice for Thorites. Justice. What if what if what if I just made a Thorite edit on TikTok and that was just pinned? <laughs> yes, I'd be no context. None whatsoever. <laughs> Especially with your like if you did it on your page, like your green arrow profile picture, and it's just Thorites. <laughs> listen, listen, I've been on a Marvel kit. DC's been disappointing me, so I think I found my new username for TikTok now. I'm going to call myself a Thorite. Okay, so we're going to do this. Um, anyway, we can't let them know. No, we we lost. We almost we lost against Thor in that battle. Brandon, don't confuse them. No, we didn't. We, we didn't. No, we won. Man, I, I wasn't I'm, that. I'm, who, who did y'all have? I'm tired. Yeah, Shazam. But Shazam. I'm tired. <laughs> We wanted yeah, 2099 to... wiped me out. <laughs> and especially Bryce and I continuing on with our little name changings to kind of keep you going. Um, but we want to thank the fans for listening to this episode. We swear we love spider people. We try not to make fun of them, but some of their origin stories are just what the crap was this kind of thing. Um, we want to thank the fans just for read Peter and Miles. <laughs> we we want to thank the fans for listening to this as always um you can find bryce mary myself on comic talkers anywhere on you can find us on social media instagram facebook and tiktok at comic talkers get all the latest updates let us know what you think about 29's origin um hopefully we can make a post of us actually changing our names and i'm going to try to see if i can do it as like a picture thing um also let us know who's your favorite spider um, verse character let us know what you think um also let us know if there's other spider verse characters you would like us to cover we would love to dive into these origin stories a little bit more after how much fun we had with 2099 we were never let <laughs> down um if you're a spider-man 2099 fan yes why <laughs> tell us please 
Um, and then always you can listen to Common Talkers anywhere on um, Spotify for podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Pocket Cast, YouTube. Go check us out. We have some great conversation. As as always, my name is Brandon. I'm Mary. And I'm Bryce. And may comics always be the top of your discussion. <laughs> <laughs>